So today we're going to be beginning our practice in equanimity. And I'd like to speak about it a little bit before we begin. And uh, tomorrow night I'll be giving a full talk on equanimity. So today it's just the uh, information in general and enough information to do our practice. The past couple of days we've been doing metta, or loving-kindness practice. This is one of the Brahma-viharas, the divine abodes. And the metta practice is the basis for equanimity. Equanimity is that uh, spacious, calm balance that we can experience sometimes very naturally. And sometimes we need to actually put some energy towards developing it. And so because we have already begun to develop the basis of equanimity with two days of practice with metta, we're going to go on now to this practice of spacious balance of equanimity. How we live our lives in terms of how we we respond to the events around us uh, is really important. It creates our future. We cannot control what's already happened simply because it has already happened. But we can have an effect on what happens in the future. It could be the next moment's future or the next day's future or the next generation's future. How we respond to this present moment event has a great deal to do with that. And equanimity, the practice of equanimity, has a great importance in all of that. Because the opposite of equanimity is reactivity. That's the direct opposite. And sometimes it's called the far enemy because it can be seen from afar. It can be noticed from afar. The uh, levels uh, of reactivity can be both in terms of attachment and aversion. So if an event happens in the present moment and it's pleasant, the reactivity to that can be, if we're not paying attention, can be uh, attachment. We want it to continue. We want more of that. and of course, this, this is true, that this happens because we're human. We see we've experienced something pleasant, and there is attachment that arises to that automatically. But it need not arise. It need not arise in a way that causes suffering. A pleasant experience can happen, and that pleasant experience can be enjoyed or just simply experienced in its pleasant aspect without attachment arising. This may be hard to understand, but experientially, when we practice equanimity, we know more and more that this can be so. It's also possible that when an unpleasant experience or unpleasant feelings arise, uh, it's also greatly possible that aversion arises with that. This is kind of like the habitual human reaction to that. When we develop equanimity, it's possible to 
notice that unpleasant experience, allow it to arise and pass away, being present, mindfully present with it, and not have any aversion to it at all. And so when we practice equanimity this way, inclining the mind and heart towards equanimity with particular events outwardly and particular events that happen within our own hearts, we develop an easy pathway, an easy uh, a pathway that our minds and hearts can fall into much more easily. Um, we could say a wholesome habit pattern that can replace the habit patterns of reactivity. And in this way, the future of our lives, um, we, can, we can respond to what happens in future events with more and more balance of mind, with more and more spaciousness, with more and more calmness. So we do this practice of equanimity as learning a skillful means, and that can become a habit for us. It gives us more. Um, it gives us more opportunities to react with, to respond with an open state of mind, a spacious state of mind, instead of the very limited states of greed when we want something pleasurable to keep happening, or we chase after something that is pleasurable, not even knowing that. In the end, that chase and even um, experiencing that over and over again really is the cause of suffering. And the same thing when we react with thoughtless anger, not, not really seeing in that moment because it happens out of habit, not really giving ourselves the chance, the spaciousness, the calmness, the balance to see what does this lead to. Um, With equanimity, there's more opportunity to see that. There's, you might say, we give ourselves better choices in uh, the practice of equanimity, with the practice of equanimity. The um, indirect enemy or opposite of equanimity is a place of apathy not caring at all, and just being indifferent to what's going on. So this is very different from equanimity in that in apathy or indifference, there's a disinterest in what's happening. There is not any energy at all to open to what's going on in our lives, inwardly or outwardly. There's uh, a leading towards turning away leaning towards turning away from what's happening, rather than facing it, opening to it, which is what equanimity allows us to do, to be able to face what's going on, to be able to open to it, so that there is this possibility to see and to know that experience totally in order for a skillful response to happen being able to take in that whole landscape of experience or however much is needed to 
take in so that we can respond in a way that leads towards harmony and peace instead of the opposite direction. So in the practice of equanimity today, we're going to be um, directing it on two levels. This is a, the practice of equanimity <clears throat> is about bringing a situation up in our lives with a particular person, just as in metta, and um, developing a relationship to that event or that situation, developing a relationship of equanimity to that. And as I've learned equanimity and practices through my life, through the years of um, my practice, I found that this was very, very beneficial. I have often used the equanimity phrase and words, this is how it is right now. Or as my teacher, one of my teachers, Manindra, uh, has used with me a lot, surrender, surrender to how it is right now. He would say surrender to the law. The law meaning the dharma, the dharma of this moment, because it's already there. There's nothing I can do about what's already happened except to face it first. And so he would often say that, surrender to the law. And so I remember that in my life, in my sitting practice, in my practice uh, as I walk through life. And so understanding that very, very deep, that deeply has brought uh, much more spaciousness in my heart, much more ability to respond with uh, greater skill and make the choices that create a better future for myself and for others. But I found that a lot of times I wasn't able to respond skillfully. The old habit patterns of mind would come up. Habit patterns of when something arose that was uh, unpleasant or displeasing or unsatisfactory in my view, then there would be a habitual reaction of not liking it, of judging, of criticizing, of having aversion or resistance to it. And I found that no matter what I said, no matter what kind of equanimity response I had to the outer event, the inner event was already happening. The inner event of reactivity, of aversion or attachment. And so I found that in the uh, process of opening and understanding how to be more skillful with the practice of equanimity, I needed to bring equanimity to the inner event, inner events of my life, that I had to bring equanimity to a place of my heart that had already reacted, where there might have been judgment or fear or wanting it to be in a certain way, that self-righteous indignation, seeing the world in the way it is. And so I needed to work with that, and that was kind of a deeper level for me. And so in this practice of equanimity that I'm offering today and the next days, I want to uh, uh, respond to both of those levels so that when I bring up the uh, various 
ways that we can do it in the various levels, I'll uh, bring about um, an opportunity for you to remember an event that's happening with a particular person in your life, for example, and to develop equanimity with regards to that outer event. And then I will ask ourselves to look at what's going on in our hearts in relationship to that outer event and to notice what's happening there and to learn how to accept with a kind of spacious uh, balance what's going on in our own hearts. Maybe it's already a sense of balance and spaciousness. So even just being with that, accepting that. So we'll be doing this equanimity practice on two levels, you might say, today and the next days. So remember, when we're doing this practice, this is unlike metta, in that with metta, we're offering our goodwill. It's as if we're sending the energy of goodwill to ourselves and to other individuals out there. So in metta, it's like offering that energy, offering that goodwill. In this practice of equanimity, it's very different. We are stating or recognizing a fact. And in that statement or recognizing a fact of what's going on, we're developing that spacious, you might say spacious awareness of our own hearts in relationship to that. So we're not sending energy. We're not sending the energy of equanimity. We're developing an acknowledgement, uh, a recognition. You might say we're developing that wisdom that knows this is the way it is in this outer event. This is the way it is in this inner event of our hearts, of our minds. So um, it's a very different energy there. And I'll remind you of that as we go along and do our practice. When we do the practice, I'll um, be offering you some phrases that you might use. And for different individuals, different phrases are more appropriate. You can pick them up and uh, put them in memory, as, and as you need them with different individuals, you can bring them out and, and use them. In, in your practice. So as we go along in the days and you become more familiar with it, it'll be more easeful. So just bear with whatever uh, ways that you're not quite with it today, if that happens, and respond even to that with equanimity. This is how it is right now in this moment. So let's begin now and do that practice. bringing our attention to that place in the body where you can feel relaxed, connected. It might be around your physical heart center. It might be your breath. It might be 
simply your hands touching. Connect with that place and let your attention relax into that area. As we do this practice, remembering that the aim of the practice is to incline the mind and heart towards this spacious balance of equanimity. But along the way, the other terrain, the near and far enemy, may be experienced. Just knowing that will help. Knowing when the mind is in reactivity, attachment or aversion. Knowing when the mind and heart are in apathy or indifference. We begin the practice with the neutral person. In equanimity, this is the easiest person to begin with. We always begin with the easiest person. Have a sense of who you are choosing here as the neutral person. Someone you feel neutral towards. Perhaps someone that you've already done some metta practice with. With this person, we usually don't know so much about their lives. And so it's easier to have a sense of balance, a sense of equanimity about this person. I'll use a phrase that may help to connect with that person and incline the mind towards equanimity or a deeper sense of it. So we have a sense of who this person is. All beings are owners of their actions, their happiness or unhappiness depends upon their actions and not upon my wishes. This is the traditional phrase. You can shorten it. All beings have their own journey. All beings have their own journey according to their karma, according to their actions. Just repeating that to yourself silently. 
All beings have their own journey. And then turning our attention to what our own hearts and minds are doing in relationship to that understanding about this person. Just noticing, is there a settledness? Is there any reactivity about that? Indifference? and engendering some equanimity about what our own hearts are experiencing. This is how it is in my heart right now. May I open to my heart with balance and ease. Then we move on to a dear friend. Or if it's easier, you can choose a benefactor. Usually the first choice is the best choice. So have a sense of who you are choosing. Connecting with that person. And letting yourself reflect on a part of that person's life, or maybe that person's life in general. Where there might be some ups and downs, gain or loss, praise or blame, pain or pleasure, fame or disrepute, any of these eight vicissitudes. Remembering this person, what's going on with their life.
this is how it is for you right now. All beings have their own journey. May my heart open to how it is for you with balance. Use a phrase that helps your mind and heart to open, be spacious about this person. And then turning our attention to our own hearts and minds, noticing what's going on there. How is it responding? Is there disinterest, fear, attachment, wanting it to be a different way? This is how it is in my heart right now.
Moving on to the next individual. A dear friend or a family member. You might specifically choose someone experiencing one of the eight vicissitudes of life. Praise or blame, gain or loss, pain or pleasure, fame or disrepute. Going through any kind of up or down in their life. And then remembering them, particular interaction or experience that you know of, letting yourself reflect about that. And as you reflect, use a phrase that helps to keep your heart open and spacious about this person's life or situation. All beings have their own journey. This is how it is for you right now. You can infuse each phrase with compassion or metta. care about you, but I cannot control your journey.
Now turning the attention to our own hearts and minds. And specifically being aware of what's going on there. Is there disinterest, apathy? Is there any reactivity? Wanting it to be different, not liking the way it is. developing equanimity in relationship to that. This is how it is in my heart right now. Accept the unfolding process of my heart with balance. Moving on to the next individual, a difficult person. Having a sense of who this is, perhaps it's someone you chose in your metta practice. And again, allowing yourself to reflect on this person's life or a situation about this person.
And as you reflect, continue to use a phrase that helps to incline the mind and heart towards equanimity. About this person, all beings are owners of their karma. All beings have their own journey. heart open to how it is for you. Now turning the attention back to our own hearts, minds. Noticing what's going on there. attachment, diversion, disinterest. This is how it is in my heart right now.
May I be at ease with how it is in my heart. Now moving on to the last individual, oneself. And in this category, we reflect on something about our own lives. It might be something regarding our health, our job, our family, around joy and sorrow, praise and blame, gain and loss, fame and disrepute. And inclining the heart and mind towards a calm balance about that situation. So again, as you reflect, continue to use a phrase that helps towards that inclination of equanimity. This is how it is in my life right now. Birth and death arise and pass away. Joy and sorrow arise and pass away. This is the nature of life.
Now turning the attention to how our own minds and hearts are experiencing this on a deeper level. Is there distress hanging on? Is there an okayness? Is it burdensome? May I surrender to how it is right now in my heart. May I open to this with balance. Clarity. bringing the attention back to the heart center or that place where your mind can rest, connecting with the breath or with the sensations of the hands. Just gently offering loving kindness to oneself. May I rest in the safety of equanimity. May I be peaceful. An offering to our neighbors, just choosing one person beside us or nearby. May you feel safe on your journey through life, your outer journey, your inner journey. Directing towards those immediately around us in the field around us. May love and wisdom always protect you. And opening to include everyone here. May all beings here be happy. All of our family members, may you all be peaceful. and all beings everywhere. May all beings be free. 
just a few moments if you have any uh, questions about your practice just now. What, what worked for you? Maybe particular phrases you might need to change? Yeah. So the comment is about uh, sometimes not being able to focus, actually because there might not be so much drama going on. Yeah, and what what to do about that? Maybe just to um, use those places where there is a little more aliveness, where there can be a little more energy. So yes, I would say to do that, to just choose those particular areas, even though. I am guiding in a particular way, you know, through those, that group of individuals, those five individuals, which is the traditional way. So I'm just trying to impart what um, the traditional way to do it, but you can change it as you need to. So use the, the places where you feel more connected, where there's more, where there's more energy, and also go at a faster pace. You need if you need to do that. Um, when you lose focus, whenever we lose focus, just come back and again remember. Oh, this is what I'm paying attention to. I'm doing that too. Even when I'm guiding you, you know, I kind of go off and say, "Oh yeah, I'm sitting here in front of everybody having to guide, and I have to remember what I'm doing too." So, um, so I have to come back to doing that over and over again. And that is really good for our concentration to be able to, you know, the mind goes off to be able to come back and saying, oh, I have to be remembering this. This is what I'm doing right now. So it is a question of bringing actually more energy into that part of paying attention, of focus. 
And perhaps also, for many of us, um, there isn't, you know, lucky there isn't so much drama in your life right now. And so let that be so. When you go back to looking at what your own heart is doing, let it be so that it's settled. And just actually to notice that, that's really a a positive, um, wholesome force in our lives, to notice that the heart is settled. You know, number one, it's settled. And number two, that there's a noticing of that. That makes for uh, a powerful connection. And as, as you get quieter, this practice of equanimity can also become richer for you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I have a request. Excuse me. I have a request to make sure I want to get to that. Yes. Yeah. I'll post all of them. Yes. Yeah. Um, the comment is, the comment is, um, I, I noticed that when I focused on the person, uh huh. Yeah. Okay. That's yeah. That's great. So, in your situation, when you focused on the person, it was it didn't make such an energetic connection. But when you focused on what's going on between the two of you or the space around that person, then you, there was a little more energy, a little more connection. So I'm glad you made that comment, and that's something for everyone to investigate. Sometimes you just have to reflect around the whole person, around the whole situation, and find where you're, there's an aliveness to it. Yeah. So I'm just gonna I'm just gonna give one example of my own. That there's a a dear person in my life who's 94 now. And when I, when I reflect on that person, just on that person per se, what, when I see her face and I just remember her where she is, where we live, I just feel a lot of metta, that, you know, and that's what naturally comes up. But when I realize that any moment she could pass away, because that's part of life, and that, um, you know, I, I almost imagine her... <laughs> just falling down and that I won't see her again. That whole situation, that possibility, not that it's even happening now, but it could, then that brings up um, a lot of energetic response in my heart. And so I must be able to say this is how it, birth and death arise and pass away. That's, that's what came to me inside. And this is true. This is a truth of life. And when I, when I would say that to myself, I would feel my heart settle around that. Um, so I would, in that situation, I was really focusing more about around her, you know, that death was an impending reality. Uh, and... Um, and then in another situation where I had my 16-year-old granddaughter, 
and the very fact that she's 16, you know, brought up a lot of, a little bit of anxiety, not a lot, but a little bit of anxiety. Now she's got a job, and um, I, had, I had to think about that whole situation, the job, the fact that she's out late at night, and all of that. And I had to, this is how it is in your life. This is a natural um, unfolding of your life. Of course you're going to have a job and be out late sometimes, and this is how it is. Kamala, you know, you're not going to be able to control that kind of talking to myself. When I looked at my own heart, I saw that there was some fear about that and some um, wanting her to be young again, you know, and not wanting her to be in danger, of course. And so I could feel the shaking of my heart. So bringing the attention towards that and Um, using a phrase that helped me, just simply, this is how it is in my heart right now. This is natural for a grandmother. It's not, I'm not, um, you know, it's not wrong. It's just natural for this to happen. Then by kind of um, using some words, wisdom words, my heart felt a little more settled. So just wanted to expand that out of kind of what you were saying, actually, giving it an example of what goes on. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. That's, a, that's a good comment um, for me to use as a teaching. And so the comment was when, uh, when you went to the various persons that you, what came out of it was a sense of compassion, that all beings have their own journey, and compassion came out of that. And really, that's the point of it all. It said that equanimity is the precursor to true compassion to a very deep compassion. So it kind of leads the way for that compassion or loving kindness to come forth. When equanimity is very, very um, profound, we feel that. We actually feel that depth of that compassion very, very strongly. So um, we may feel just a sense of open-hearted, spacious balance that, yes, this is how it is right now. Kind of a a deep acceptance, not the kind of acceptance that we're, you know, just being a doormat, but the kind of like wisdom acceptance. This is how this is how life is. But out of that can come that compassion. That um, if I take that compassion further, this is how it is in life. And with deep compassion, we know that. And because of that, we'll do whatever we can to benefit all beings. We do whatever we can to be of help. And so um, that's where that compassionate action comes from. So that is a very wise, that's a, a response that's onward leading.
Uh huh. Mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, you feel a responsibility for um, not just letting them go on their own journey, but to um, offer them some help, some teachings as an elder, right? So equanimity doesn't exclude that. It doesn't exclude taking action. Uh, really, it, it just allows the heart to open with balance around the fact that all beings have their own journey. Yeah, And along their journey, we can offer them everything that we feel that we have the energy and the um, willingness to offer them. And offering them whatever we have to offer with equanimity is also important. That means without attachment to result. Yeah. So sometimes people like to use a more complete phrase. All beings, this is what I get from students, all beings have their own journey. I care about your journey. I will help you on your journey with no attachment to the result. So that kind of fills the whole thing out about it. Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. Part of their journey is letting them make mistakes, too, you know. (laughs) Yeah. Just one last thing. So, in losing your 94-year-old friend, friend, aunt, your aunt, yeah, yeah, you, you saw in your own heart that you, uh, your comment was that you didn't, grie- didn't seem to grieve very much. She had a good life, and um, in a way, there was a kind of happiness for that good life that I'm getting, yeah. And how does one tangle out or parse out you know, whether we're just kind of pushing it away by saying these words. Well, that's why we have a chance. We're giving ourselves a chance to really discover what's going on in our own hearts. You know, we say these things, but what's really going on? Turning to our own hearts and noticing with honesty, is there a sense of true settledness there or spaciousness about that fact? And maybe in the first time we do it, we're not discovering that much. You know, we, we're not settling into it as deeply, but in subsequent times we might. Um, but when we look, come to our own hearts, and sometimes I surprise myself by seeing, you know, this is okay with me that my 16-year-old granddaughter has her own journey and she's going to make her mistakes and all of that. I'm not really as anxious as I thought I was. You know, 
And maybe there are times we're anxious and times we're not, too. But in the moment, this is, what I'm, this is what's happening in my heart. So I think the only way we can parse it out is by looking, discovering, experiencing what's really going on there. And that's why I bring the attention back to our own hearts, because when we're just facing the situation out here, all of our energy is about that person. It's about them, their situation, or the event of the world, etc. And we oftentimes don't give ourselves a chance to look inward and say, what's going on there anyway? How do I really feel about this? And it takes time to actually know how we really feel about this. So in this practice during this time of the day, we're going to give ourselves the chance to see what's really going on in there in relationship to what's going on out there. And so this is what we're discovering. And maybe developing equanimity about that as well as that. It's, it's really two um, distinct experiences. Maybe similar, but actually when we see what's going on our, in our own hearts, it's a closer look. It's a very, very good investigation by your questions, and thank you.